0: Okay, so when we left off last week, what we said we were going to do is that we are going to begin with Lucha Dodi. Uh, but it turns out that I lied. <laughs> <laughs> um, I figure that one of the things which we say, which is unique, we say it really every day of the year, uh, but for a different purpose, possibly. But we say at the end of davening, we say uh, the 30th parak, parak Lamed in Tehillim, the Mizmorshi Chanukah Sabais LeDavid. So, we say that as a special Tehillim to mark the occasion of Hanukkah. So, I thought, uh, what better time than to go ahead and explore this particular parak than on Hanukkah? So, we're going to do that. But it turns out, as I was uh, researching and I was, uh, I was looking into it, I was preparing it. So, it turns out that there's a fascinating element to this particular parak, which is the fact that if you recall, so we've been relying very heavily, leaning very heavily on the Malbim in terms of his explanation, putting together like a whole storyline, a whole narrative regarding each one of the uh, the Prakim, and what the message is, and what the story behind it is. And we were using some of the other meforshim some of the other class of meforshim, just to give us a short little pshat here and there. When I began to uh, to look at the meforshim on Perak Lamed, the Miz Morshi, Chanukah David, so I discovered a fascinating thing that the Maldim in the Radak have two completely different narratives as far as this parak is concerned. And I thought that's fascinating because they, they 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 almost literally, I would say literally, but I, I'll hesitate to say literally, but they almost literally have two two completely different uh, ideas about what this parak is about. So what we're going to do is, to, I don't know how, exactly how the timing will work out, but tonight what we're going to do is we'll do the translation with the radak, a little bit of Mitsuda's David. Then the other uh, element of what we're going to do, what we'll do probably uh, next week is we'll see the Malvin. So, but I think that the, uh, the radaks pshat, the radaks explanation of this is something which is more in line with why we would do it on Hanukkah, as opposed to the Malboum's the explanation. I don't know why the Malboum went ahead and explained it the way he did, but obviously I will have to come next week to find out why exactly the Malboum did explain it the way he did. In the meantime, we'll get started tonight with um, with the text itself. And hopefully it's there on your screen. Yeah. Okay, give Alak. Okay, so we say make you guys Please lower in. that. Okay. So it begins. Mizmor Shir Khalukasabaisla David. So this is a Mizmor, it's a song uh, of a of a, to the dedication of the house, uh, which was composed by David Amal. So this is the obviously the main thrust of this uh, of this parak is this uh, yeah. is this is this song. So the redak says as follows. The redak gives a nice introduction. I'll make this a little bit bigger so hopefully we'll be able to read it. Um, it's still small. I apologize. Okay. So he says the redak explains as follows. You can see there's a long, a long introduction. Hebrew David, Sheamruba Chanukkah's Beis So the Radak says that this capital of Tehillim was composed by David Amelch, was written by David to be recited upon the dedication of the Beis Hamikdash. Now, remember, there's two things that you want to keep in mind. One of them, the, the Radak is going to develop over here. But the uh, the main fascinating thing over here is the fact that David HaMelech was not there when they dedicated the Beis It was done by Shlomo HaMelech after David HaMelech was already Nifter. But David HaMelech made a point of composing a song yeah. that he wanted okay. to be sung at that time. Uh, and we'll see now why exactly it is. Now this is something which is fascinating because we all know that, especially when we say it in Chanukah, that the opening words are, So it's upon the celebration of the dedication of the house of Hashem, written by David Amelch, but that is the last reference there is to anything Besam Mikdash. So here it's a strange thing. David Amelch is writing a song that's supposed to be sung upon the dedication of the Besam Mikdash, uh, but he doesn't mention anything about it other than this is a song about the Besam Mikdash. And then that's it. So what is it about? So his kirbo slichas pishav. The main theme that the Radak finds in this parak is that this song revolves around forgiveness of one's sins. That is much more the theme of this particular parak. And why is David Melch focused on this? That because. David enemies, and he had many of them, so they were certain, they thought, that there's no way that the monarchy would continue beyond Davon uh Beyond Davon Because it's the punishment for the sin that David committed with Bathsheba. So there are people who were furious at David for the incident of Bathsheba. And therefore, they were certain that there's no way that beyond Davramach, and even his malchus is, would undoubtedly be cut short but there's no way that this is something which is going to continue to his son afterwards and even though and this is where it gets great because you have the enemies who are certain of what was going to be and they have to contend with the fact that there was a nevua, that the Beis Hamitosh ultimately would be built by uh, Davra descendants, by his descendant who would be the king after him. Lo hayu but his enemies, they were not even going to accept nevua as evidence to the contrary. And we say, lo hayu ma'minim, Uh they, they, they said it's impossible that that nevua would take place, that the Beis, Beis HaMikdash would be built by a Shlomo HaMelech, why? He Ben said there's no way that the child who's born from David and Bassheva could ever number one become king, number two, build a besamitas, which is going to be a place of forgiveness for sins." Because Daven Melch committed such a heinous, terrible Aveira that he did, no way, no how, that him or any of his descendants should have anything at all to do with the construction of the Beisamitish. It just can't be. And they rejected it and they wouldn't accept uh, any argument to the contrary. And he Kirukho Yisrael, he Machoshlomel. And then and the, the Rabdak goes a little bit in terms of the history and at what point this happened and who was rebelling against him at this time. But then the Rabdak says that, that when it, it became evident to everybody that Shom Hamel was, was going to be the king and he was going to take over. So the Kaven Shirotza HaKel, osa Shinoladom Osaishi Yamel HaKo Yisrael. And once it became evident to everybody, everybody was aware of the fact that a child born to David and Basheva, despite their history together was going to be the king over all of Gamuru so, so then everybody had to face the reality they were in denial but they had to face the reality who indeed forgave David and Melch for the sin and the Radak characterizes that as, this, as a sin but he was forgiven completely for that sin because if it wasn't a complete forgiveness, so then there'd be some remnant of that Avera, which could potentially be an impediment to Shom HaMalch either becoming king and or Shom HaMalch rebuilding the Beis HaMikdash. Not rebuilding, building the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, the herald of Shom say Saba Yisrael, and Shom who was shown the uh, blueprint of the Beis HaMikdash before the eyes of the nation. So everybody was aware of what was going to happen and Habayas, and David HaMelech went ahead and donated towards the construction of the So he put in his building fund way in advance, as soon as it uh, you know, as soon as they announced what the building fund was. So David HaMelech contributed right away, realizing he may not make it to see the use of his building fund funds, but nonetheless, that's what he did. and as well. The rest of Klai Yisrael went ahead and followed suit. And they also made their donations. And it was with this in mind, after these events, when it became evident that it was indeed going to be Shomah who's going to build the Beis because Hashem had forgiven him Davon entirely. So it was at that time that Davon HaMelech was inspired to write this particular parak. Al zeha And the theme of it is not Beis Hamikdash related. The theme of it ends up being forgiveness for sins, which is a healing of the soul. So just like there are physical illnesses which need treatment in order for a person to recover, there could also be spiritual ailments, which also require attention and some sort of medicine so that a person will be able to heal because it was with this in mind that when the announcements came out and it was evident to everybody that it was indeed going to be Shlomo Hamel who's going to build the Beis HaMikdash, that everybody had to acknowledge that David Hamel's path of tshuva was whole and complete and God had forgiven him entirely. And that now is the theme. So the, the, the song that was going to be sung upon the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash was a song celebrating tshuva. Governor Amalek's path to, uh, towards Tshuva. And that now is the main theme of this particular um, uh, um, parak. Now we say, now we'll continue. So now let's see how exactly that that unfolds. So we say, uh, So I will, Romamu is to exalt. I will talk about the greatness of God. Because you have lifted me up, Dili Sani over here is to lift. Up. And you did not allow my enemies to rejoice over me. So, what exactly is the David talking about over here? The uh, the lifting up and the enemies rejoicing, potentially rejoicing. So, explains the the uh, the David. Uh, uh, he says, Sorry, initially the Radak. Because after the sin with Bathsheba, so I found myself sort of like in the pit of despair, in the pit of chit, of sin. And you, God, because of your forgiveness, you lifted me up and out of that pit of sin. And as a result of that, my enemies could not rejoice. So David Mach is acknowledging that there were enemies who saw that David Amalekh's downfall and they were thrilled to observe his downfall because they didn't want him to succeed. Shimloha Lisani, Losalachtali, <laughs> because David Mach says had you, God, not lifted me out of that pit of sin, and had you not forgiven me for my Avera, <laughs> so you would have caused the other people, meaning my enemies to rejoice over my downfall. But as a result of the fact that you did lift me out, so that's why it says, that's why my enemies didn't have a choice to a chance to rejoice, because I was indeed lifted out of that. And the Metsudah's David says, the Roman ton of that, the Roman Mecca is, is, and the sort of like the needle in the eye of the enemies was the fact that Shlomo, it's not just that a son of David became the king after him, but it's specifically the son born from Basheva is going to be the one who builds the Beis Hamikdash. So the Beis Hamikdash, which is that place on earth, which is where the Shekhinah is going to be able to reside, you would expect that everything related to that would have to be on the highest levels of purity no imp- uh, highest levels of purity, without any impurity whatsoever, any sort of tainted lineage or any sort of stain, which could uh, damage its uh, its prestige. And yet, it was specifically Shlomo Hamelch born from Basheva who built it, and by do by that occurring, ki baze, yodua shem avon de and that made it evident to everybody that you indeed forgave me for the sin of Basheva. Then we say, then he says, Hashem Alokai, Shivati Eilecha Vatir Pahini. So Hashem my God, so Shivati Eilecha I cried out to you, that Shorish of Shin Vav Ayan is one of the many synonyms that we have for prayer, a calling out to God for assistance. So Shivati Eilecha I called out to you, Vatir Pahini, and you healed me. So what's the healing which is going on over here? So here, the uh, the redact says that the phrase that, uh, that I called out to you, what was Davut calling out for? Where'd it go? So my cry to you, God, was for forgiveness. And and you responded positively by healing me, explains the, uh, the redact. That you, God, you healed me, that's the rifasa, that you went ahead and you healed me from the illness, an illness, not, but not a physical illness, but a spiritual illness. My soul was ill. My soul was ill. Even though David HaMelech acknowledges that I was punished in this world, I experienced bad consequences for what I did in this world. HaKol Hu Be'enai. HaMelech says, I recognize the goodness of all of that. I see the benefit of the all the negative experiences which I had to endure. Why? Because Because ultimately it healed my soul. And once my soul was healed, then I don't have to go to Gehenna. In other words, the Radak over here is is the, is the emphasizing, or is teaching that the purpose of Gehenna. Sometimes we think, depending on who you hear, who's the the speaker. But sometimes we get the impression that Gehenna is a puni- is a place for punishment. It's a it's a place where God is punitive. Listen, I gave you this opportunity to go ahead and to uh, to repent. You didn't repent. You remained uh, a a sinner. Etc. 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 So therefore, I'm banishing you to Gehenna, or I'm subjecting you, I'm punishing you by going to Gehenna. So the Radak is saying that that's not the point of Gehenna at all, and the point of Gehenna is to clean is to heal the soul which has all of that dirt and which is ill as a result of the sins which were committed. And once the neshama, once the nefesh is healed from the sins which were committed, the stains which were which accumulated, then the nefesh or the neshama could go up to Gan Eden. So David HaMelech says that I suffered so much during my lifetime that it's unnecessary for me to go to Gehenem because I've already experienced that spiritual cleansing. And as long as I've already experienced that spiritual cleansing, I'm good to go. I could go straight into uh, Ganeidin. And the Masuda's David says a similar thing, that the vatir pa'eni, that the healing, which David Melch references, that means the forgiveness of the sin, shehi refuas ha'nefesh, like we say, refuas ha'nefesh, is part of this, also a healing which is necessary, and that's a healing of the soul when a person is has, uh, has uh, committed Averas, and as a result of that, spiritually, they're no longer so healthy. Then he continues, Hashem ha'elisa min she'ol nafshi, you Hashem have gone ahead and you have uh, brought up my soul from she'ol, Sorry for the uh, the rhyme over there, but you brought up my soul from Sheol. That's one of the names that we have for Gehenna. Chisani miyar devor, and you've also preserved me from going down into the pit. So Sheol and Bor are very similar, uh, very similar terms. They're both uh, different uh, names that we have for Gehenna, and here uh, the uh, the Radak explains. You don't have to read it inside that. The, uh, that you, Hakarish Barku through your forgiveness, so you lifted up my soul from where it would have otherwise gone to Gehenem and you allowed me to be able to emerge out of that and not be subjected. And therefore, Zamru La Hashem Chasidav Vahodu Lzechach. So David Melch calls the chasidav the pious ones, to go ahead and to sing to Hashem, to sing a song to Hashem. We'll see why in a moment, why specifically the pious ones. V'hodu l'zecher katsho. And give thanks, that's what the hodu over here is, give thanks to the mention of his name. Mention of his holy name. Katsho is the mention of his holy name. So what does this mean? So explains the Radak. They're referring to the so the pious ones are the ones for whom it's appropriate to go ahead and give thanks to HaKash Baruch for this. Now this would seem to be a little bit of a curious thing, because who are the ones, who would we think are the real beneficiaries of HaKash Baruch forgiveness? We would think it's the sinners who need God's forgiveness, not his pious ones, not the Hasidim. And yet, when we're talking, when David Amalekh is focusing his attention on forgiveness for sin, the healing of the soul, he calls specifically the chasidav, he calls specifically the pious ones, to go ahead and sing this song. Why? He says that, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, ultimately, he is forgiving for all those who repent, that they should not uh, lose their piety. That they shouldn't. Uh, that it's not one sin you're out. But uh, and afilu And even if the one sin which the uh, pious in, uh, individual commits is a very bad one, it's a very serious avera. Nonetheless, Hakadosh Baruch is willing to forgive but all that's necessary is for a person to go ahead and to repent to god with a sincere heart trying to reconnect with god and of course is going to go ahead and he is going to accept it and here the Radak is is telling us that the nature of the chassid is the nature of the pious individual is that when they sin they realize the devastation of the sin it's not the sin per se but they realize the devastation to the, their relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that results from the sin and they are afraid that that one Aveira is something which is going to have long-term very far-reaching impact in terms of their capacity to relate to God and therefore knowing that it's possible even for a Daven who committed a very public sin um, of, uh, of arayis, of potential arayis, of illicit relations. So they are thrilled to hear the fact that even for such a person, HaKash Baruch Hu is forgiving. And he can forgive, and he can wipe the slate clean to such a degree that the son of that relationship, that relationship which was so bad in its outset, that child of that relationship could be the one who's going to be Melachi Yisrael, who builds the on Mikdash. So that's why the Hasidim get particularly happy about that. The sinners aren't so bothered by the fact that they sinned in the first place because they do it all the time. So therefore, the, for them, it's not going to be something which uh, they, they, they realize the, dev- the devastating impact of their averas, so they don't get so excited. But the Hasidim who are trying so hard uh, you know, to be perfect so one sin, they may think that it's uh, down and out, and therefore David Melch calls upon them specifically to sing so that they should not become despondent. And then we say, Vahodu Lizekad kacho. So, what does it mean that you're going to give thanks to the remembrance the remembrance of his holiness would be the literal translation. So the Radak explains, Kamo Vahodu shmo," meaning give thanks to his name. Because when the when David Melch says over here, the mention of his holiness, that is another way of saying, that's like a poetic way of saying his name. Kibo kireyu, Because, well, that's all we could do in is in, in description of God. When we call out to God, we can't actually call him by name. The most we could do is we could say the holy reference of God. So all we know is that there's a reference of god There's something which is specific but we can't actually call his name Ki amitas atzmo lo because the true nature of god is something which is beyond what we will ever know so therefore we can never actually call out god in the sense and i don't know why over here there are other places in tehillim where david Amalf seems to say we should call out his name but in this particular context David Mach uh, seems to be mystified by saying, I don't know exactly how to uh, figure out his name uh, or even to mention his name, but we'll make a reference to it in, uh, in very general terms. Then we continue. Kirega um, Biapo, that um, he's angry for a moment. Chaim Bertzano, in when he is pleased, the Ratzel, when there's the will of God. So then there is the presence of life. There's the allowance of life as we're going to see forgiveness. Be'erev yalim bechi. In the evening, one may go to sleep while crying. All part of the same pasuk. Sorry, my computer's slow. I'll just read it anyways. Oh, v'la'bok Arena. But in the morning, so there are shouts of joy. So what's going on over here? So the Radak explains that uh, the Hashem's anger is for a moment, but life is uh, but where there's the rustling of Hashem, so you will find his life. So he says that Ki'im also an amazing thing, Ki'im yichas al-adam, because even when God becomes angry at mankind, or angry at an individual for an, an Avera which is committed, Rega um adzman So, Akash Baruch anger is really going to be a moment. It's going to be it's going to be short lived because ultimately, as we said, God isn't uh, isn't in it to punish us. He's not punitive in any way. He wants to make sure he is our biggest fan, who wants to su- succeed at doing mitzvahs and staying away from veras. So, although there's going to be a, a uh, some sort of the the uh, negative consequence for what we do. The anger which Hashem has is something which is just brief, it's fleeting, and it's momentary. It's just a regga. If you remember, Chazal say that Bilam's capacity to curse the Jewish people, and we talk about that story where Balak h- hires Bilam to curse the Jewish people, so Chazal say that the way Bilam was going to be able to do so successfully, what made him a successful cursor, was the fact that he knew the moment of God's anger. They understood it to mean that not get, that God gets angry at a person for a moment, but each day, there's one moment in the day where God is angry, and Bilaam realized that if he could go ahead and utilize that moment to curse the Jewish people at that moment of God's anger, so then, oy vavoy for the Jewish people. And Chazal say, because Bilaam knew how to do that, so during the incident of Balak in Bilaam, during that whole episode, God did not get angry. Because had he gotten angry, even for that one brief moment, he would have, been, Bilaam would have been able to successfully curse the Jews, chas v'shalom. But here, we're explaining it uh, not in a way, not in this very broad way of how God interacts with uh, uh, the Jewish people. David HaMelech here, at least the Radak, is explaining that this has to do with an individual. That even when God gets angry at somebody for a sin, that, that anger is going to be brief and just for a moment, just a rega, rak rega nahag, but when God wills it, when God wants, Imritzono yihia zman rav v'chaim aruchim. That when God wants it, when he wants to show favor to a person, when he wants to shower that person with love and affection, what he grants him is, is not momentary and fleeting goodness and life, but what HaKash Baruch Hu does in that circumstance is he gives the person eternal life. So his anger is just brief, and it's just for a moment, but when HaKash Baruch Hu decides to grant life, that's something which is going to be for eternity. Now, what's this idea of the fact that in the evening one goes to sleep sleeping, uh, uh, crying, and then they wake up in the morning, but in the, at dawn, there are shouts of joy, of happiness. So here the Radak explains. Uh, we go ahead and we explain. So Davod in his metaphor over here, so he uses, he uh, he connects the idea of crying and being upset, the Yagon of being upset, with nighttime, which the primary the dominant characteristic of nighttime is the fact that it's dark outside. And when David Melch wants to go ahead and capture the moment of salvation and goodness, so the metaphor for that is morning, shuhu or visimcha, because that is light and that is joy. And therefore, the chinamar David, and this is what David Melch is trying to capture over here. He says, he says, even though when you demonstrated to me because of my sin, whatever punishment, whatever consequence I faced in this world, ultimately it was just one moment. That's how I perceived it. Sort of like by Yaakov, that when it's, uh, the Torah says that the seven years he worked for Rachel seemed like a short amount of time for him. So David Hamelech says, the suffering which I endured is really brief and is but a moment. But God's will and the announcement, the the announcement of the fact that I was forgiven for my sins, that is, so that gives me eternal life in Olam Haba, in the world to come. So David Melch acknowledges, "Yes, I sinned, but nonetheless, it's something which is was only momentary, uh, because ultimately I'm going to have eternal life because God has forgiven me." Then he says, um, "Where it go? Yeah." Then he says, "Vaani Amarti Bishalvi. I said in my serenity, when everything was going well, I said, you know what? I will never be moved. I'm so strong and I'm so powerful and I'm so confident in my capacity to manage life that nothing is going to be able to derail me from my avodas Hashem. In other words, explains the Radak that Kishahayisi, Shalev kate That when I was in a moment of serenity and everything was quiet, shalom be What does it mean to be in a place of serenity and quiet? So the Radak explains that Dovrin said that this was the time when the yitzhara had no control over me, when I was in control of my yitzhara so I grew confident, I I grew overconfident, that's me about myself, I will never be moved, meaning, and I'm never going to sin. So I thought I had conquered my Yitzhahara, and I was above sin and temptation. Because I thought, there's no way the Yitzhahara is going to be able to derail me from the good path that I am on. Because at that time I was able to use my intellect to overcome my base nature, to be drawn after things which are physical and things which feel good rather than things which are good. And I used to take great pride in myself about this. Until I realized that it was only that it wasn't my doing that i was able to be successful for all that time it was only because you were there helping me this is going to be alluded to in the next passage the khozman the haya ritzon chaimi, and his law now i realize says David melch that it was only while you were there holding me up and grasping my hand and giving me that sense of safety and security then humanity the harayos which is what we're going to talk about in the next passage so then um, I was like a, a a mountain, a stronghold of a mountain, of a powerful mountain. Zesh amar, and that's what he goes on to explain in the next pasuk. As we quickly see the next pasuk, that. Um, but I realized Hashem bertzoncha hemadati the harios that it was your will that my success in battling my yitzhara till the incident of Asheva was because it was your will alone. That allowed me to be as strong as a mountain when facing the eight Sahara, but when you hid your face, he start fanecha. when you hid your face, then I became terrified, meaning I became completely overwhelmed and I succumbed to my baser nature to go after uh, and to become tempted and it 's something which happened like in a surprisingly quick rate. meaning explains the uh, the uh, the radak. He says when we say Laharei that might be a strong mountain. So he says Perusho L'sichli. So the the uh, metaphor of the mountain that refers to davr, That's referring to his intellect. Baos. That when the mountain was there, meaning when my intellect was strong, so then it was very powerful like a mountain. Meaning, that I, was, I did not uh, uh, fall as a result of the elevated place that I was in, and the Sahara had no control, no ability to grab me whatsoever, to make me fall. Because at that time, previously in my life, earlier in my life, I was in this powerful place where the Sahara couldn't even reach me. But as soon as you, God, turned your gaze away from me, or you concealed yourself from me, so that I couldn't feel connected with you, and then I lost the capacity to use my seichel, or to go ahead and to, uh, to, uh, to test me, so then, because I was taking such pride in my ability to be in charge of my yitzahara, that you went ahead and you gave me this temptation, oh or maybe it was an onish for the chait for a sin which was committed. Then v'irfisa yad azart and you withdrew your supportive hand away from me. Hayisi I suddenly became frightened and then, as soon as I became afraid, that's when I tripped in my thinking process, and that's when the Yitzhahar was able to grab hold of me because I lost access to my seichel, I lost access to the uh, to the thinking part of my brain, and that's when the Yitzhahar was able to go ahead and swoop in and cause me to sin. Uh... Right, okay. We'll leave that just because of time. And then, therefore, David Mel continues, Eilecha Hashem ekra. so therefore I call out to you Hashem, El Hashem Eschanan, and to Hashem, to my master, so I am going to, I am going to beseech you. Means, that explains the Radak, get down here. He says, U'kishagavar Allah hachait, and when sin got the best of me, see what did I do? So I didn't become, I didn't despair. I didn't give up, throw my hands up in defeat and say, okay, game over. It's a knockout, a, a one-punch knockout from, uh, from the Yitzhahara. But rather, David Amal, and this is David Amal's greatness, that at the moment that he fell and he realized that he had been uh, too confident, he had been overconfident in his abilities, karasi elekha, it was at that moment that I immediately called out to you, because I realize that there, I have no healing other than from you, and therefore my only, the only way to emerge from this is to go ahead and to call out to God. So that's what I did. What did David HaMelech say as he called out to God? Uh, long pasuk over here. What is going to be gained from my death? From my descent into the pit, afar, will the dust, meaning a person who died and is put into the ground and becomes dust, will that dust yodcha? Will that dust go ahead and praise you, hayagid And will it have any capacity whatsoever to go ahead and uh, announce the, the the truth of your existence? So here the Radak explains ma that. What's going to be the benefit? Davan says to uh, to Baruch Hu, yes, I've sinned. But, what's going to be the benefit? What gain is there for you, God, in the event of the, the totality of my lifetime? If I'm going to have to now go down to Shama, In the event that now, as a result of my sin, I go down to Gehenim and I'm going to be stuck there following my death, so So what benefit was there from my lifetime? My lifetime is not so that it should be punitive. I should end up in Gehenna. And if that's where you're going to consign me, that's where you're going to send me. So what was the point of my life? Why did you bring me into this world if not that I should be able to acquire Olam Haba? So if you go ahead and Send me off to uh, Gehenna at this point and I'm going to be stuck there forever. So everything which I did over my lifetime was in vain. There's no purpose to it. And therefore, there's no way that you should do this. And the Metsuda says, the Metsuda's David explains that will the they be able to tell your truth. Kish'adam shavlios afar, that when a person is put back into the earth and becomes dust again, the <speaking in Hebrew> ducha, will that person be able to go ahead and be able to praise you. Will they be able to go ahead and retell your truth? It's better to go ahead and keep the sinner alive, so that they'll have an opportunity to repent. They'll have an opportunity for their soul to heal. The az In the end, the game is that ultimately they will go ahead and they will praise you. So that's what David Hamelch was pleading for. That if you leave me alive, if you don't go ahead and take away my life now, but you allow me to live, so then I will ultimately be able to go ahead and I will be able to praise you. And therefore, he continues with his plead: "Shema Hashem v'chaneni, Hashem heye ozerli." So, Shema Hashem, listen, Hashem v'chaneni, and have mercy on me. Chaneni, remember, means chanun, is merciful where the person is not deserving. It's completely a gift from God. So the David is saying, I have no merit to ask this of you. I'm asking this of you out of the goodness of your heart. Hashem, I need your help. I need you to go ahead and help me in this uh, situation. I feel terrible that as a result of what I've done, I'm in this situation. But at this point, I need your help. And what happened? This is now the transitional. The last two psukim are the transition. So, what did you do, Hashem? Hafachta misbedi You turned my misbed, you turned my eulogy, you turned my lament, into dancing. So rather than um, you know uh, uh, being sad in the, over uh, over his potential death, so now instead it ends up being a, a dance party. Pitachta saki. And once again, rather than me being stuck in sackcloth, which is indicative of mourning and sadness, you opened that up. You released me from that. And you supported me with joy. Meaning what? Uh, Oh, sorry. There it is. So he says, so the Radak explains. That So David Amal says, I was in advance already mourning my soul in the event that it were to be destroyed, in the event that I were to actually die and go into, a, be stuck in Gehenim. But you, Hu, you sent me a message and you informed me via one of your neviim. Gam Hashem Hashem has wiped the slate clean from your sin, you're not going to die. And David Amal says, when I heard the news, did you hear the news? So he says, when I heard the news of the fact that I was forgiven, and all is going to be good, <inaudible> so while I was in the midst of mourning, you went ahead and you transformed that mourning, and now I was dancing a jig, whatever the phrase is. And <inaudible> you released me from my uh, sackcloth, that I put on because I was afflicting myself in a sense because of the, uh, my sin and And you released me from that you opened it up with your news that I was forgiven and now rather than being uh, um, wrapped in the sadness of the garment of sackcloth now I was girded I was surrounded with simcha with great joy ha-sasak, which is a replacement for the garment of warning, and then the last pasuk says, yizamercha kavod v'lo yidom, So, in the whole purpose of Akash Baruch Hu doing this is so that my soul should sing to you. That's kavod is the word for soul. V'lo it will not be silent. Hashem alokai, Hashem, my God, modeka. And because you forgave me, I will forever be thankful to you. Because as we said, this is something which was the graciousness of God which, uh, which uh, allowed that. And therefore, the continued existence of David Melech all is a result of God's grace, of God's uh, uh, tremendous mercy and forgiveness. And therefore, Davodamelech says, I'm eternally thankful to you for that. Explains the Radach. The word kavod over here means the soul so now there's a contrast which was going on the radak points out that david Amal said when i thought i was doomed because of my sin so i said to you if i end up in the pit if i end up in Sheol, if i end up buried and dead so will the, the earth be able to go ahead and give thanks to you so the contrast is now that you've told me i've been forgiven so now my soul, which is alive and well and kicking, now it has the ability to sing your songs and to give thanks to you. And it will never be silenced uh, anymore. And this is like the, the honor, which does not falter and is not interrupted at all. Therefore, Davina HaMalch says, that Hashem, my God, I will forever now be thankful to you, meaning yeah. that for the remainder of my life, I will be thankful to you because you've gone ahead and you've forgiven me. And now I have a chance to reconnect with you. And I have a chance to uh, um, fulfill the purpose for which I was, uh, for which I was created. So as I said at the beginning, that this is an amazing thing that, uh, that the Radak is putting forward uh, for us over here, in that we're singing this. Uh, we say it specifically. I don't know. Uh, we have to now think about. I'll leave that to you to, to think about. But why it is that we say this on Chanukah, when although it mentions the Beis Amitush at the beginning, but we see now, at least according to the Radak, that the main thrust of this is not so much Beis Amitush related, but it's forgiveness. It's Davin Amelch's expression of appreciation that Hashem has forgiven him for the sin for which he thought he would not be able to continue, he would not be granted continued life. His son would not be the king after him, and his son would certainly not build the base of Mikdash and Davut Melch was thrilled to pieces he was over, over, overwhelmed with joy at the news that he was indeed forgiven and all the things which he dreamed about his son being the Melch, and his son being able to be, be able to build the Beis Amitush, that all of that ultimately would, uh, would, would come true okay so we will hold it here tonight um, we are so don't forget so next week this week